Oscar Poker. going to the Oscars for the first time ever since I've been covering the awards. I'm actually going to, I'm credentialed as a reporter and I'm going to sit in the bleachers and sit in the press room and cover the Oscars. And it's a good year for me to do that because I don't really care that much about them this year. So I don't mind if I'm going to be working, you know, usually I like to sit home with Emma and watch them, but, um, and kind of man the, the website and work the website. But since I have, um, I don't really care this year. <laughs> I'm going to check things out at the Kodak, see what it's like down there. You know. So you're part of your press privileges is that you're allowed to sit in the bleachers. Yeah, for the arrivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what the press people do? They sit in bleachers and watch arrivals? No, they don't usually. It's It was um, usually when you apply for a credential, if you're first time applying, you, you just get press room. Right. And maybe you'll get set up. Like, you can come the week before the Oscars and watch them setting up, which God only knows. Why would anyone want to do that? But <laughs> I don't know. Right. Um, and so, I, you know, I get, I've get i gotten credentials the last two years. I just kind of blew them off because, you know, there was nothing particularly um, enticing to me about fighting all those crowds, all that traffic. Like, there's nowhere to park. You have to park at the Palladium and be shuttled over. And I think the only way you can do that is if you have an actual parking pass, which I don't think I even have. So, You pretty much have to uh, resign yourself to parking south of Sunset somewhere, uh, which is not horrible, and just walk up. Because that's the, what I've, in, in years past, if I've had anything to do uh, near that, near the Kodak, uh, forget anything north of Sunset. You just have to walk there. That's right. not a problem. It's no, just, no, it's yeah. fine. Well, I mean, you try walking in high heels, bro, and then we'll talk about it. But um, the thing is, is uh, uh, I am curious about it just from a, a blogging standpoint. Like, I just really want to see what it's like. It was fun going to the uh, uh, Renaissance um, Renaissance Hollywood Hotel or whatever it's called, and, and going in and getting the credentials and seeing how you know how the Oscars work from the back end. Um, I'm not all that interested in I mean, I think it would be totally surreal to sit there and actually watch the show. Like, to me, that would be the most surreal thing because I've been to things at the Kodak before, and you're pretty far away. Like, you can't really see the stage and if you're in the back, and uh, which is probably where I would be. And I went to the Grammys, which was a televised show where people won awards and stuff. But it's just so remote. They're all so far away, you know. You don't have the same sense of immediacy that you do. Uh, when you're watching from home, but I would be curious to see if, if you could still get that same, like for me, I don't know about you, but because you put your predictions out there and you kind of care if you're right or wrong, or you've made an argument about a certain contender for months and months. And 
So when it comes time to call that name, you feel like sick with nervousness. I do. <laughs> so I'm curious to see if, um, what it'll be like if, um, mm-hmm. you know, being there live, if it's any different, if you still feel that weird nervousness or if you're so busy, you don't really care, you know, if you're gonna be in the back room with all the press people when the announcements start to happen, correct? Yeah. I mean, I might even miss some, like ambling over from the bleacher area to the press room and trying to get set up. And it's a big hassle because it's like they don't have Wi-Fi. So if you want Wi-Fi, you either have to bring in your own and they can't guarantee connectivity or you have to buy something from AT&T, which I'm going to have to investigate today to see what that's about. How can they be so... Talk about Luddites. Mm, Well, yeah. I think that they're still sort of stuck in the old way that people do press. It's like they used to, you know, they have feeds and you hook up to the feeds and you set up your mics and you do, you know, it's old school press is how they do it. Old school, like only old school press would even have people on site reporting, sitting in a media room reporting, you know. Um, I'm actually going to be in the interview room, which means I'll see the contenders after they go off stage, which is really going to be bizarre. Well, that's what I thought the whole thing is. You're there to ask questions. of. Yeah, I guess so. But to me, it's like so many people covering it. It's not news. You know, it's, it's, it's very redundant. I mean, you know, all you can do is say, well, how did that feel? Exactly. And it's like they give you the pat answer. And, I, you know, maybe Jean Dujardin will probably make a couple of funny jokes, crack everybody up. And, you know, and then you have to watch, like, the sound guys and the, you know, art directors and the short film guys. And they all come out, you know. So, uh, but but I think after 13 years, I think it's time for me to check things out from that end just to see how it all goes. Um and I, my daughter's old enough now where I can do that. And, uh, and there's only one award I care about, and that's Best Actress. And everything else is fine. I don't really care. I have no in- emotional investment at all. But if, if Viola Davis wins, I will be very, very happy. If she doesn't, I'll be disappointed, you know. I, I will feel your pain, and I will share in your disappointment if it doesn't happen. But you have to consider... You have to face up to the possibility. I don't think it's a very great possibility, by the way. I, I'm, I would be hugely surprised if uh, Meryl Streep wins. But you have to... Uh, if I'm she preparing win, myself, be, sure. It would I, be almost like the same crowd that doesn't like to say anything about, you know, well, maybe I'll just vote for Meryl Streep because, I, 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 you know, she's great. And what they're really saying is they, they, there's some kind of racial... That, you know, it might happen. You never know. I know. I'm prepared for it. I think that I remember when I really wanted Mickey Rourke to win for um, The Wrestler and um, Sean Penn was going to win, destined to win the Oscar, second Oscar for Milk, which he totally deserved. You know, he did turned in a great performance in Milk. I just was invested in Mickey Rourke winning because I wanted to see him win an Oscar. But I just felt like it would have been great for him at that point in his life. And I don't really put much stock in what winning an Oscar means anymore. I think that it can just move the needle a tiny bit, but um, so. But I, I remember Sean Penn won the SAG Award, uh, which is usually the strongest indicator for Best Actor. What's going to win? It's not necessarily for Best Actress, but I feel Viola Davis's buzz right now. I feel the momentum for her. She's just kind of everywhere, being talked about, and yeah, there's no, there's no um, uh, SAG. It's absolutely uh, seems to um, no question about it. She's going to win. I it think. feels like that. But on the other hand, um, I have to admit, performance to performance, 
Streep has the better uh, screen time and the sort of the more impressive, you know. Um, and I hate to keep bringing this up. It's not it's not that important to me. But she's the one who is actually playing a lead role between the two of them. Right, I know. But um, that argument doesn't really fly with me because Nicole Kidman won for the hours and she didn't really have a lead role. So if it's going to apply to uh, Viola, Viola Davis, it should also have applied to um, Nicole Kidman, which did not. It's totally fine. But uh, Viola Davis is not wearing a fake nose. <laughs> They wanted to give the Oscar to the Washington. No, they wanted to give the Oscar to the prom queen, and that was Nicole Kidman. She worked for it. She wanted it. She went after it, and she got it. And she got it for that role. She didn't really deserve it. I didn't think for that role. Um, Viola Davis. It's a whole different thing because I don't think you can separate out the racial element. I really don't. And I think that she's got a really good chance. And, and leading roles don't come to black women in mainstream Hollywood. They just don't. No, so it's an unfair not. fight to begin with. And it's it'll be uh, a very very good thing. Yeah, and fuck them if they don't do it. You know. Yeah, I, I would be uh, pretty shocked. I really would. This would be a really bad year for that to happen because it will be coming on the heels of that expose in the L.A. Times about how they're, you know, they literally yeah. are. It reminds me of um, that Far Side cartoon. Oh, let me try to think of it. It's my favorite, um, my favorite Far Side cartoon. I'll have to cut out this part where I'm trying to remember it. But he, like, states the obvious, but he does it with a little diagram. Um, oh, Let's just keep talking. I'm going to see if I can find it online. I wish I could remember it. So it's my favorite um, Far Side cartoon. But, um, uh, yeah, so it would be a really bad thing if, if, it, if it came. Um, why, why do you want to bring out a cartoon? You can't show it to me on Skype. So why, I want why? to tell you about it, but I can't find oh. it here. i got to try to remember it. But it's, right. it's really funny. It's just them, him just stating the obvious with a All diagram right. of something everybody already knows, you know. But so every, yes, everybody already knew that. Um, everybody already knew that the, the academy were mostly old white men. I guess what we didn't know, I, what I didn't know, was how few of them actually work in the industry, and how few of them are in the academy because they were nominated or they won. You know, that was the most surprising of all. I think um, about that report. Did you happen to see that, or were you? Uh, did I happen to see what? I'm sorry. The L.A. What? Times thing. Oh, yeah, well, sure. Everybody saw that. And everybody okay. felt it was underwhelming, actually, because it only, uh, um, uh, with data, uh, backed up what everybody has commonly, uh, you know, spoke of for years, which is that it's an older white yeah, guy. Yeah, right. I know. And I, when I heard that people were underwhelmed, I just was like, are you kidding me? I get so many letters every week, for not every week, but every year from people who say, how do you know they're all? Because I always call them like the five white guys in suits that run the Oscars. Yeah. And and they're always like, how do you know that? How do you know that? And, well, now I can point to that article and I can say, see, here, that's how I know. I'm completely glad that it was done. But within the David Pollan, smarty pants, I know everything, you can't tell me anything realm, he was full of bile for that. For that, I know. And Chris Tapley, too. You know, I don't care. They can STFU for all I care. I really... I think that it was in a time when all people can do is complain about the Oscars and how predictable they are and how an artist is going to win and how there's nothing to talk about. Here is, you know, a group of people that actually did some real investigative work, came up with a story that maybe the David Pollens of the world, you know, already knew. I already knew, certainly, but I never saw it proved. And the rest of the world doesn't know. And I, I want the rest of the world to know. Sure. You know, I want them to know. And they're not going to believe just any old schmo saying, oh, it's all old white people. Yep. But now they've proved it. 
and they've just backed up what we know. I think it was a great story, and, and I, in my opinion, the best story so far of this year. Yeah. Well, um, you're saying it, it plays in Peoria, but it's not playing amongst the, the know-it-alls here in, in Los Angeles. But that's fine. That's, it's good to have Most that. people don't know a lot about the Oscars, honestly. They don't. You, you saw that they didn't really know about them in NPR. They don't know about them because they don't care about them. You know, they don't think it's, the, A, that important of a topic to, to, to concern themselves with, and, B, you know, like everybody's been saying, they don't really exactly reward all the films that, that they care about or that they want to see, you know. But um, but to me, somebody who's been entrenched in this for over a decade now, you know, it, it was... I'm not saying it was anything new and that it was shocking, but I was really glad that someone sat down. And now what I need them to do is figure out vote counts. <laughs> that's, that's the next thing. Figure out how many movies won by how many votes. And they never release that information, and we everybody would like to know. It would be the, the book of all time to be able to get the breakdowns. It would yeah. Be- but everybody always asks me, what are the Academy's demographics? And I always have to say they do not release them, but this is what we assume about yeah. them yeah. based on what we know. And, and what, what's really happening in the Oscars a lot is, is cronyism, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, they, you know they, they bring in their friends and they vote for their friends and stuff like that. That's what's, what's really kind of killing the Oscars right now. Yep. Because um, a lot of these old crony guys aren't involved in the you know, the, the heart and soul of what's happening in film right now. And Frank Pearson, I think, was the one who was quoted as saying, listen, uh, it is what it is. This is about filmmakers. These are people who have worked their way into these positions. Uh, and that's what it is. You know, take it or leave it. Yeah, some of them, but apparently some of them not. You know, according to that report, it wasn't always just people who worked their way in, you know. Well, people that got what uh, given their they 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 achieved um, uh, seniority in the academy through 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 um, their through, through birth. Through. Well, I don't know. I mean, didn't it say that only a few of them were actual filmmakers working in the industry? Well, yeah, they haven't been involved in in, in the making of films in quite a while, though. They had a, a burst of activity twenty years ago, or yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But right, I mean it's it's film professionals, but that doesn't mean anything really because they're you know they don't most of them don't even want to watch the movies that are free given to them every year for Oscar contention. They complain that the ten nominees for Best Picture is too much because they can't watch all the movies. They don't have ten favorites; they only have five. You know, right. um, whatever it is, it's a broken system, and you know just people have to work within that confines of a broken system and everything is fine as long as the telecast is making money and the films are making money and everybody's doing well from winning oscars but where it starts to break down i think is when it becomes like the tonys where it's so insular and so you know uh who you know and how famous you are and who your friends are that it just completely has nothing to do with what the public thinks which is the tony awards yeah people still watch them but like theater fans tend to watch them you know i you don't know, know you know andrew O'Hare in his salon column on the 18th uh, he said if we you know he referred to what he called the massive ennui that we were all feeling about oscar season this year uh because it is so uh it's 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 draining it is um 
you know, the, the spirit is, is so low, the spiritual factor is so low, the, the rooting factor is so low, except for Viola Davis, which I don't, but there's not a need for, uh, for I don't think there's a, there's a great uh, fear or uh, chance that she's going to lose. But really, there's, there's so little um, um, in the way of suspense, there's so little in the way of, uh, of, of people really wanting somebody, you know, people, you know, like I, I, I was, I talk all over and over about the triumph of the, of the pianist in 02 and what a great high that was when that happened. And when I said that I was feeling so elated when suddenly Ronald Harwood won for, um, you know, screenplay and Polanski won for best director and, and, uh, and Adrian Brody won. That was so, I didn't, I, people were thinking, God, it could actually win best picture. I mean, that was really a, a that was such an uplifting, exciting uh, moment. And there is nothing going on this year, not even close to what that was. No. I know. And one of the problems I think that this year is illuminating and it it makes me feel awful because I don't think that the artist is a bad film at all. I think it's a really, really good film, but it was almost like, um, it's completely inappropriate. We've been too, we've been too used to the pundits leading the race and the voters follow the pundits. Now the pundits don't follow the voters because the pundits set the track for them. Because they're too tired, they're too overworked, they're too lazy, they're too distracted, they're too disinterested to watch movies and build consensus. And everything happens so fast because that when they push the date back, they really only we're only talking about December basically for awards. Everything that happens in the awards race now has to happen in December. It doesn't happen in January, it doesn't happen if it happens in December, everything does. So there's not really time, like with The Pianist, there was more time between December and when the Oscars were. December is when all the movies are supposed to come out, and the public has seen them, they've made their money, and then you decide, back then, before they changed the date, then you decided what the best pictures were. Now, everything gets decided before a lot of those movies have even played at the theater, and um, you know they vote on stuff sometimes before movies have even been released to the public, you know? And then everybody knows what the Oscar race is, mid-December. Everybody knows how it's going to go. So we all lay it down, and people look at the contenders, and they say, yes, 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 no, 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 yes, yes, yes. You know, The only surprise we had this year was when David Fincher got a DGA nomination. That was the only surprise in the whole race that people didn't predict. Yeah. Well, that's um, what you kind of hope is going to happen. You're, going to, you're hoping you that... You hope, but it hardly <laughs> ever does. I sort of have a teeny tiny suspicion that something is, is going to happen, some weird thing is about to happen, um, only because people are too resigned to it not happening. Like, usually in every year there's a somebody who's saying that this is going to happen or this spoiler is going to happen, but this year it's sort of like Slumdog Millionaire. It's like, nope, there is no chance any other film is going to win. It's just going to, the artist is going to take everything down. I feel so jaded about it that I'm actually telling myself, and this is true, that if the help were to win, <laughs> actually happy about that. <laughs> as mediocre as that film is, I would be so delighted if that were to happen. Really, I would think of what people would just like flip out. They wouldn't. They wouldn't know what to say. They would be speechless, and it would be yeah. really, really exciting. Well, I mean, it would it would be good for the artist probably because that would mean that the artist would go down better in history. It's taking a huge beating this year for being such a strong front runner. Uh, there, I don't see. You know, the artist has almost made thirty million dollars now. It's just on a roll. I thought it was going to not do that much. I thought it would make more like 20 or something, you know. 
Probably. Yeah, it's headed for 30, and it'll probably get all the way up to 50 or 60 after the, all is said and done. Um, there's For me, I've never seen my site's traffic die like it has this year, and then no interest. If I Like, we had a night the other night on Twitter where it was three different award shows happening, the Writers Guild, the Scripter, and something else. The Eddies. Eddies is usually a really big deal. Uh-huh. But because everybody knew the artist was going to win the Eddie for a musical comedy, nothing. And so I'd put out these things. Nobody cared. There'd be like maybe two people who would retweet. Mm-hmm. But this time last year, because it was Social Network versus King's Speech, it was like insane. Yeah. The amount of attention and traffic that was on these these little awards. But I look at it now and I think, God, you know, if the Oscars were like this every year. It, it would be uh, that show would be really a, a dead a dead fish in the water if they did this every year. It really would. So, I don't know what's going to happen this year with them. Yeah, this is a they're they're headed they're like the Titanic headed for the iceberg right now. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> Hopefully not. You know, it's still the Oscars. It's still an event. <clears throat> what did you think? Uh, uh, I had a response, by the way. <clears throat> to what Denzel Washington said. He said in response to that report that uh, John Horn and the others did uh, at uh, the L.A. Times that the Academy's membership should reflect the overall uh, uh, breakdown of society out in the country. And Mm -hmm. I said, no, that's not really the way it should be. It should reflect the actual percentage of people striving to become filmmakers that are actually in the game to some degree. And I I don't care if it's... if it's an African-American filmmaker who's 22 years old and has just shot something on his iPhone and he's, and he's, and he's got something really lightning in a bottle and he wants to dist- distribute it, he is in the game. But you'd have to count people like that and not just everybody. You know, it, yeah. it, should, no. it should reflect gen- society in general, but it should reflect the overall community of people trying to make films and who care about films and who are in that game, right? Uh, yeah, but what it is, is it's, it's, you're seeing like a, a play or, you know, a, a little tiny microcosm of what's happening on, on the wall street protests right now. You see the, the Academy is the 1%. The film industry is the 99%. And people don't like that. People are essentially about fairness and nobody wants to see evidence of a tiny, you know, closed off, insulated, pampered, lazy 1%. Maybe not even lazy, but totally in control and in power, dictating um, what is called the best film of the year, what is called the best actress of the year. If people didn't regard the Oscars as so important, Uh if when a reporter reports on someone dying, they didn't lead with Academy Award nominee, it wouldn't matter. Nobody cares what the Editors Guild thinks. Nobody cares what the... You know, the, the Cinematographers Guild, those are individual professional societies where, um, yeah. you know, the, the people who work in the industry get to vote on the awards. Well, that's what the Oscars are. But people don't look at them like that. They look at them as the definitive last word on what is the best. Well, obviously, they didn't pick the best this year. So yeah. who are these people? So I was glad that they lifted back the curtain yeah. for yeah. that reason. And the well, fix- what about what Denzel said, though? Is there should be a change. It should reflect the community of filmmakers out in the country, there should be more of a fair reflection. Not not this 1% thing, but a reflection of the overall community. That's I agree with him completely. But like I've been trying to do for the past 10 years, it's like that you move the needle slowly, you know. Um, Viola Davis winning lead Oscar will have a 
you know, a ripple effect. Things have changed a lot since the 1970s, and they've only gotten worse in terms of women in, in leading roles and in terms of minorities in re- leading roles. As the belts have tightened in Hollywood, um, it's, it's become all male, all white, pretty much. So, you know, they do reflect the, the powers that be in Hollywood. They do reflect the guys sitting in the studios who decide on what movies are going to make money and what movies aren't. People who are not smart enough and creative enough to really know. They don't take risks. And to, like, look at how hard it was for George Lucas just to get his his movie about African Americans off the ground. And, you know, if you, you know, one awful decision begets another. And it's like it, it, it is never going to change because if you just look at Best Actress, that category, 10 years ago in Halle Berry one for um, Monsters Ball. She became the... I mean, you really have to sit with this for a minute. The first black actress to win Uh in... It was at that time, it was 74 years of Oscar history. Now we're at 84, and there's a chance that a woman, Viola Davis, who, Mm -hmm. who by some miracle got this part, this film was made, call it racist, call it the only kind of black movie white people can stand, whatever you want to say. The fact remains that she's still gonna be if she wins only the second black actress in 84 years to win i mean that to me is astonishing that's 84 years that's an old person that's someone who's lived a whole life through world wars you know and i just i can't abide that sort of uh you know wall-to-wall racism (laughs) i'm sorry i can't let's be let's be fair at least to the people that are green lighting did you not say to me, um, based on some data, I'm sure somewhere, that, that whenever you put a, uh, a person of color on a magazine, it doesn't sell as well? Right. That's why they put them off to the side. Yeah. The, on the, did you not say that? No, it's true. They don't. But I think that there's a, something analogous between magazine sales and ticket sales and movies. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You can't really, like, call them, call for the heads, the people that are not greenlighting. Uh, no, yeah. you, you, you do. You do because you you kick things up and you talk about it and you, you start to get the general public thinking about it. If you just keep feeding them the shit that they want to eat, you know, they're all going to get overweight and die of diabetes and, and cancer. You have to err on the side of, of, of being brazen, of being nervy, of trying the new thing. It, if you don't, you're dead. I completely agree with that. Right, and, and like Vanity Fair, they don't want to put out their Hollywood issue with a black person because they don't want to risk losing money. The people like me who care yeah. aren't going to be the ones driving their ticket sales. They're in the business of making money. They're not in the business of righting the wrongs of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's totally fine. It's just that for you know, nothing comes without a a cost. Nothing, no change is ever going to come unless people, you know, unless there's a bloody revolution. And the only way you get there is if people, you know, pull their heads out of their asses and start talking about stuff, you know. And I don't really see it happening that much. Um, In the time that it was Halle Berry and Denzel Washington up, when we talked about it a lot, they sort of, you know, appeased the voices by giving out a lot of Oscars to black people. They gave out, you know, um, Jamie Foxx and, and Forrest Whitaker and Jennifer Hudson and Monique, you know. Um, but like Tavis Smiley pointed out, you know, you're looking at a very specific type of person that keeps getting rewarded. It's like a quote-unquote bad character, you know, Denzel Washington, Forrest Whitaker, Monique. Jennifer Hudson was really the only one who wasn't. Um 
You but, know, that, that interview that you told me to post, I'm glad I did, with Tavis Miley and, and Viola, uh, that was really pretty good. That was a good piece. And a lot of people uh, read that, saw it, uh, posted it. So I'm glad that you passed that along to me. That was, yeah, that was, yeah. That was a good piece. Yeah, and, and the thing that she said was right, that Viola Davis said that, you know, that the black people can't always, you know, wait around for the right role that's going to satisfy white whitey guilt and it's going to satisfy the black community because all that means is that they don't get work and mm-hmm. that they don't act and that they don't they aren't full spectral characters, you know. And I also grew up in the 70s and I remember when there were black characters in film. You know, that you you didn't go to movies and you didn't see diversity. Directors used to care, you know. They don't care anymore. I don't see in movies. It's to me it's just it's it's really the status quo. Said directors do not care? Uh, it doesn't seem like it to me or studio heads, you know. It's just stat it's become just status quo, you know. And that's dangerous. It's just it's just dangerous. And so that's for me, that's really what keeps me going blogging about the Oscars because I swear to God if it was just about who's going to win Best Picture mm-hmm. um, I would have lost my mind long ago and stopped doing it you know it, it doesn't have any interest in me beyond what it what it can do to the power dynamic in Hollywood you know who gets to make movies from now on who you know like right now Harvey Weinstein's bringing back his old power and that's what it's about for him <laughs> <laughs> So great, Harvey wins, you know, and he's going to be back on top, Mr. Oscar. Well, have at it. That's what you want. <laughs> and I, I admire him, Weinstein Co. You know, I think that they 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 do a wide variety of of interesting projects every year. Yeah, you know, and he he can play the Oscar tune pretty well, and he knows what they what they those old white guys respond to. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you want to do the, uh, since we're going to, you, you have to leave at nine. Uh, well, I don't know if I have to leave now, but yeah, we should do our predictions, I guess. Yawn. Yeah. <laughs> Think of how different it was last year, Jeff. We were having so much fun. Yeah, Remember with social network? I mean, we were miserable, but at least it was, <laughs> it was sort of exciting. Well, All right. I'm going to go to. Change. There's no thing. So let's just, let's do this. Let's do our usual predictions. And what would be the most fun? to be the upset in each category. Not right. just we think it's going to what would be the Okay, I'm looking I'm going to go to Gurus of Gold right now and I'm going to look at their um most delightful upset. For me, best picture obviously artist is going to win the most delightful upset that is actually potentially possible, not really, but it's there's a 1 in 100 chance or 1 in 50 <laughs> chance would be this if uh if the help or you know, the most delightful for me would be like freak out time. I, I would fall on the floor. I would be unconscious for like an hour if the tree of life won. I would be flipped out if that happened. Um, everybody. Would. It won't. But I know. I, I don't. Never happened. But it, but you know that would. That be would one. be that would be cool. I mean, yeah. for me, I, I would be happier if Moneyball won because to me that really. Absolutely. Why, why did I say that? I mean, I, I guess because I don't believe there's a shot in hell of, of well because uh, moneyball doesn't have a best director nomination so that takes yeah. it out but for me I, if it was i don't mind the artist winning i'm totally fine with that but if it was um descendants moneyball or hugo i would just die if it was any of those i just would die but it's not going to be hugo because hugo didn't make enough money if and the descendants were to win you were you would die i would love it if the descendants won oh. yeah oh, oh 
I thought you said are you die in a good way. Die in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) I would love it if I mean I think Moneyball deserves the title of Best Picture of the Year. I would say, with considering how hard it was for Brad Pitt to get that project together, what it's about, what it says, what it says about our future, what it says about our present. That it's about baseball. It's about, it's an American story, you know, built by an American studio, brilliantly written by two great writers, Steve Zalian and um, Aaron Sorkin, starring Brad Pitt. I mean, to me, that is best picture yeah, of Moneyball is about a line that uh, Norman Mailer, uh, uh, once, he once described Frank Borman, uh, one of the uh, Apollo uh, astronauts who had read a book that, uh, that Mailer wrote called Of a Fire on the Moon. And Frank Borman thought that uh, A Fire on the Moon was basically bullshit and a lot of uh, Norman Mailer just throwing out a lot of ideas that had no relation to the reality that he knew as an astronaut. And <clears throat> Mailer's response was <clears throat> that it would be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle <laughs> than for a new idea to get into Frank Borman's head. <laughs> the idea of... Moneyball is that it's a new idea and how hard it is for that camel to get through the needle. But new ideas always face that. And that's an eternal story that you're going to see going back to the days of the Egyptians up to now. It was really a cosmic story in a way. Very cosmic and just absolutely brilliantly written and directed and acted. I mean, it's just it's a solid 10. How Bennett Miller didn't get in for a director, I don't know. And I think it's just because, like, my mom saw it. And my mom is like... She thinks she knows about the Oscars, but really she doesn't. Like, she doesn't know. But she said, you know, I watched Moneyball. It was depressing. You know, so to her, it was depressing because they didn't win in the end. And that's what, what people want, I guess, is, is they want it like, to be like the artist, you know, happily ever after. Like <laughs> the King's Speech, happily ever he after. actually used the word depressing on Moneyball? My mom. <laughs> And she's like, you know, an old lady. So she's probably a lot like these voters. Um, I don't know. I think it got in on the strength of Brad Pitt, but I think that, that whatever story it provided for people, it wasn't uplifting enough. Uh, okay. So they didn't love it. It was yeah. like the end of Social Network, which was ambiguous. You know, mm-hmm. those kind of movies I like. Like, I love the ending of All the President's Men. You know, I don't think the ending of the social network was ambiguous because he was basically uh, looking for that girl to love him finally after he's done all that stuff. And she still and she wouldn't reply to his Facebook thing. Yeah, it was so brilliant. The social network. Can we just do a whole nother year on that movie? But the end was sort of be careful what you wish for. And Moneyball is kind of similar to that in that it's uh, a success and a failure all at once. Mm-hmm. And with the artist, it's unequivocal. It's it's this is a happy ending, period. And King's Speech, Slumdog Millionaire, this is how you win Best Picture. You have that ending. Okay. Well, anyway, um, if they were to <laughs> nominate Michelle Hasnavicious for uh, uh, OSS Nest of Spies, I would go for it. And I completely agree with that that decision. I would have no argument with it. It would be a bizarre thing for them to say, but if they did that... Those movies are so great, aren't they? I mean, he's just... you got to admit the guy's a freaking genius. He I understands mean, those... how to do that kind of thing yeah. just right. He has more subtlety at that kind of spy 007 parody than any... Um, oh, God. filmmaker ever. The yeah. two of them together, Dujardin yeah. and, and even Ber- Berenice Bejo in there, too. I mean, they're just a great team. Right. 
So yeah, he's going to win best director. So let's, let's give him the best director in, in, in for a kind of a nostalgia best director award for OSS Nessa Spies and and oh yes, also the artist. Fine. If you want yeah, to the thing that's hard about his his trajectory is going to be to wrestle himself out from underneath Weinstein because Weinstein gets these sort of. Um, mm-hmm. Please forgive me for saying this, Harvey Weinstein, if you're listening, but he gets these patsies. <laughs> He drags him along through the Oscar race. He tells them where to stand, and they become his big director of the year. And then their careers go nowhere. <laughs> like, like Rob Marshall. Like Rob Marshall, like John Madden, you know. Um, like Lassie Hellstrom. And Lassie Hellstrom and poor Stephen Daldry and maybe, um, uh, uh, what's his name, um, Tom Hooper. But we'll see what happens with him. And so I'm hoping Hazanavicious will not follow that and he'll go off and do something totally bizarre and keep Tom challenging Hooper, isn't he doing Les Rob? right but you know. well that'll be a huge film well That's we'll see be, we'll see hopefully yeah formidable film you know it is you know yeah and if he keeps going like that he should do pretty he's a pretty like vanilla guy and vanilla director and so he might just do well you know it's going to be a real challenge to the american public to pronounce Les Miserables <laughs> I want to go see Les Miserables. Les Miserables, you want to see that? Les yes. Miserables, but you know they also so many people saw it on Broadway. I don't think it'll be that. I think that the translation from a person that goes to see plays on Broadway and the average person in the country is there's a huge gulf there. Uh, yeah, happened. There was so much enthusiasm when I went to see um, uh, God of Carnage, and there's so much continued business. I mean that that play did not shut down. It, it was such a great out. play. God, it was great. and then when it came out. Um, you know, I thought that Polanski rendition was not as exciting. It somehow didn't have the same, uh, you know. Because the actors were out of their element. Maybe. They didn't have enough rehearsal time. Like, I think they came in thinking it would be a lot easier than it was. That was a very subtle. Yeah. You needed to really invest a lot of time in those parts. And then I don't think they had the time to do that. And maybe because it was uh, just so thrilling to see James Gandolfini up live. and uh, All of them. All four of them were just so specific with every tiny beat in that play. And it has to be done that way. It's a kind of play where a glance across the room means something, you know. Or taking off your sweater means something. When I saw it uh, with my son Jet in 09, I think it was, <clears throat> uh, what I really love is when a mistake happens and how people just go right past it and they don't uh, acknowledge the tremor the little tremor the little uh, uh you know there's some vibe when, when a person says the wrong line at the wrong time james gandolfini made, made one tiny error his his line came out uh, prematurely hmm. before it was supposed to happen you knew right away that was not that was wrong and people and jeff daniels just Right over it, and nobody noticed. It was it was like instantaneous. Wow! I so love the professionalism of good actors who know how to handle themselves if something doesn't go just right, and you know, and you realize how you know how how acting on stage has to go just so. You cannot fuck up and and you know do it uh, in a way that that disturbs the overall uh, uh, architecture of the play. Right. I mean, they were good actors to begin with, but they had so much time to chew on that thing that they knew it really, really well. And that was just something to see. And that was disappointing. I think if I was Roman Polanski and I was going to make that movie and I only had a certain amount of time to do it, I would have got those guys to do it. I wouldn't have picked just some random actors. Because unfortunately, it really showed their weaknesses. I think the best of them was um, John C. Riley. He was the one, because he obviously is a stage actor who has a lot of experience. But Kate Winslet, Jodie Foster, and uh, 
Christoph Waltz are like movie stars, you know. They're just not up. They were not up to the challenge, unfortunately. Um, Best actor, if we can just move along here. I thought that... um, I know that uh, Jardin almost certainly has it, and I would be delighted off the ground, levitating, if Brad Pitt were to win, or even George Clooney, who I thought had kind of the uh, front runner stop, spot there for a while, but, I, mm-hmm. but after the guild started coming in, and uh, I just uh, realized he's not going to get it. No, the only way that he won't win, uh, the only way Dujardin won't win is if there's an artist backlash. And you'll know pretty quickly early on if there is, because the artist won't win stuff it's supposed to win. Uh, if it wins, like, cinematography and art direction, it's over. Forget it. It's going to win yeah. everything. Because yeah. if it beats Dante Ferretti for Hugo for art direction, that would be great. it's going to win everything. I'm talking Any about, way the movie loses. I'm either. talking about the artist. Yes. Any way the, movie, the artist loses will be a, uh, it'll be yay team. It'll be anything we can do to take this thing down. We don't <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to win. I mean, the, I, I fear, considering that the, the BAFTAs gave it seven of their BAFTA awards, which hardly ever happens, that that signals it's going to do really, really, really well at the Oscars. So just watch for those early awards to see. But, but yeah, if it wins art direction, it's all over with. The artist will take every fucking award. Mm-hmm. So that's something to watch for. Um, the only other actor I think could beat Dujardin is um, Brad Pitt, just because Clooney's already won and Pitt hasn't. And if they really liked Moneyball and they don't like the artist and they don't want to see the artist win, they might give their award to Brad Pitt. But it would be very unusual for them to break with the, the SAG Awards. Or, of course, if the really bizarre thing happened, then and, and which, of course, that's that's out of completely out of the realm. But that would be just astonishing, and I would be I would be dancing outside. Demi and Bashir, you say? Demi and Bashir were. I know, I know. And he came from nowhere. I would vote for him if it was me. Yeah. I would have, and only because he did come out of nowhere, and that would be an Oscar win I'd like to see happen. But it's a miracle he even got nominated. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, Best Actress. Yeah. Viola okay. Davis, please win. And we know where that's going to go. Let uh, me just give it's... you something about her, and and here's the thing: not only is she, uh, you know, has the edge. Um, from the SAG Awards, but she's the only one, the only one out of nine Best Picture nominees who has a corresponding Best Picture for the help. No, none of the other actresses do. So that alone should give her the edge over the other actresses. You know, the help has so many nominations coming in. The Iron Lady has like one other, I think, for makeup. Yeah. So it already shows you that the help is more popular. Um, She's the only one. So that gives her a really, really strong edge to, to win. Um, okay, so best supporting. Uh, what do you think is going to win? And, and, and we all we, we presume it's, it's, it's Plummer, but who would you be most delighted to see uh, win instead? As a, um, I mean, Everybody's fine with Plummer. Nobody feels yeah. that, you know, it, it's totally fine. But what, what would you look be most delighted? I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm happy to see him win there because I... I I like he gave a great performance, period. So to me, that's a very deserving uh, award if he wins. Uh, and there's nobody in that category that I think, oh, they really need to win, you know. Um, if Andy Circus was in there, that would be a different thing, but he's not. So 
uh, and now we're on to support. How about you? Are there any other people that you'd like to see win there? Well, I was uh, while you were talking, I briefly looked at uh, this. There's a YouTube video of Barack Obama and Mick Jagger singing together <laughs> at the White House. <laughs> yeah. From last night, so I just was freaking out about that. So. Oh, you want to put it on your site? No. Yeah, I mean, I, I just was amazed that that happened. I haven't heard it, but I just, you know. That's really uh, cool. Supporting actress would be, um, I would be delighted and am delighted that, that Octavia has got it in the bag. I think that's going to be one of the uh, early ones. Yeah. Uh, I would have be delighted uh, with uh, Jessica Chastain because she's so uh, good in so many other things, mm-hmm. particularly uh, Take Shelter, which I thought she was wonderful in. Yeah. Well, she's got a bright future ahead of her. Yep. She will win an Oscar. She's going to be like Kate Winslet. She will eventually win one. Yeah. So. So anyway, so that's uh, that's and then you know you want to go through all the categories or well, a, adapted screenplay. It's The Descendants, probably. It's The Descendants versus Moneyball. Yeah. And what happened to the heat from that? I mean, I thought that there was some understanding. There would be some understanding that you know this 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 really good movie that all right not everybody is in love with, but is a really good one. Let's at least give it best adapted screenplay because it's you know. Are you talking about Moneyball? Sort of, what? Why are, are you talking about Moneyball? Yes. Yeah. Why did they? Why is that? There's no. It's going to go home with nothing. Probably, it? it might win sound a sound category. Oh, wonderful! That's something to really. <laughs> but a lot of great movies never won any Oscars. But, you know, um, The Descendants has to win that because The Descendants is the stronger contender, and that's the only Oscar it's going to win. So it has to win Adapted Screenplay. All right. And then there's Original Screenplay. That's a little tougher. No, that's that's not going to be it. That's a Woody thing. I mean, that's not going to... Woody, it's between a Woody and a Separation and The Artist. Don't tell me that The Artist is going to win Breathwood. It has a really good chance of winning, yes. And it's a Xerox cut and paste job from two other movies. It doesn't have anything original going at all, except that, you know, they, they uh, it's, it's really, that would be horrific if they did that. Yeah. You, you really think that's possible? Fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> I mean, if it wins, listen, I don't know. You, you probably haven't been doing this Oscar race when, well, did you, were you doing it when it was Slumdog Millionaire and it swept every award? Yeah, you, you were here. Um, when you know that a film is going to sweep, it's just going to win everything. And we don't yet know. Um, then it's also, here's the thing about screenplay that I finally get to say on the podcast is that I went and I looked back at Oscar history. And did you know that the artist, if he wins, um, he will be the only um, original screenplay writer who's the movie he directed also won Best Picture in all of Oscar history. The only one. The other films that have won Best Picture that were from original screenplays, like Annie Hall, all had co-writers. Hazanavicious is the only true auteur to, who will win if he wins screenplay, which is pretty... Uh, he will break a record there. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, The Hurt Locker was an original screenplay, and that guy won. But you, rare, it has never gone to the same person. You know, Best Picture and original screenplay matching, so... That's pretty significant. I don't know. I'm just saying, if it if it sweeps, it sweeps, and there's nothing you're gonna be able to do about it, you know. All right, so let's look at part two. Um, but but anyway, Midnight in Paris is expected to win there, so that's the one you have to predict. Yes, it is. Okay, so documentary um, Paradise Lost three versus Undefeated. It looks like 
I'm voting for undefeated because Paradise Lost 3 is such a yawner. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's fine and everything, but like, who's really going to be all that interested? Did you ever watch it? It's like the longest, most boring movie. So well, I, I had not really watched all of the first one. This is the, uh, the, the conclusion of a trilogy. And uh, I had not really gotten into it, so I didn't find it boring. I found it, um, you know, I felt that I really became acquainted with the with the story of the of these guys and and the unjust uh, charges and, and incarceration and all that. So um, I, I happened to like the um, Amy Bird version better, a better um, film in terms of telling the story and, and visually it was more intriguing and it had the wonderful revelations at the end of the these two. Uh, people in the, uh, who are close to the family of um, the, uh, the the likely, though not uh, definitively proven, uh, uh, actual killer. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I just thought it was, I didn't think it was boring. Why did you find it was boring? Uh, I mean, because I've seen it already. You know, I saw it when it was Paradise Lost. I saw the whole documentary. You know, I've been hearing about it for years. It's like I'm, you know, I don't need to sit and watch it all over again. And so I think it loses originality points. But it's got a lot of heavy hitters behind it, Sean Penn, Johnny Depp. So that alone seems like it would help. But it doesn't usually help sway the documentary people. Um, you have to see all five to vote in that category. So it really does come down to best documentary, not most no, no, not most famous documentary. Ann Thompson is predicting Pina to win that, and uh, David Poland's predicting Helen back again, which I don't know what that's about. Do you? What, is what again? I'm sorry. David Poland. Do you want to just stop and post that thing, and then we can continue talking? I'll go get a cup of coffee. Because I'm not paying attention. You're not paying attention? I can't have a one-person conversation. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pause it, and you do your posting, and then come back, Okay. Uh, I'll leave you on Skype. I'm just going to go get a cup of coffee and I'll come back, but I'm going to pause the recording. Okay. Documentary, we're talking about, um, here's the trailer it's for Helen It's time to change the game in Afghanistan. We're experts in the application of violence. When you move, move with a sense of purpose and aggression intent on finishing the enemy. Your conscience should be clear and your honor should be clean. Okay, that looks like a movie I would really like. Was that Helen back again? Yeah. Okay. Well, I believe that if people watch, actually watch the films, they have to, do they not? They have to, yes, they do. Mm -hmm. But I can't imagine um, undefeated losing. Me either. That's why I'm picking it to win, but this would be my second choice, Helen back again. Undefeated is very routine. It's not a bad film, but it's very familiar. And it, uh, it hits um, uh, some notes that are, uh, I've seen it many, many times before, but once the second half of it kicks in and you start really getting to know those those young players and, and what a great father figure that coach yeah. is uh, and how he really cares. I mean, and it breaks his heart when he has to go back to his, um, to his regular job and he, and he gives up the coaching thing and it's... It's it's really about what parenting, what good parenting is about, and it's um, <clears throat> it's one of the most moving things I've seen uh, on this level. You know, just the standard. You know, we yeah. got to see if we can win, guys. Let's let's. Right, I think it wins. It has to win for that emotional heft. But uh, and you know, they're they're taking a lot of shit this year for not nominating the Interrupters. 
you know, and that also I think gives undefeated the edge because it's it's both they're both about oppressed yep. neighborhoods, you know, yep. minority kids who have to kind of pull themselves out of that. Yeah. So if they're paying attention, if they pull their heads out of their assholes, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. they will pick this to win. But you never know; they might just go. I mean, if, if it was the whole academy voting, it would be undef- it would be a paradise lost for sure. But it's not. You have to watch all five, so yeah. it's going to be on quality totally. Which every category should be, by the way. Have you seen any of the documentary short subjects? Yeah, I saw three of them. Um, The other two weren't available for me to watch, so... uh, Did you see The God is the Bigger Elvis? mm Mm-mm, didn't see that one. That's the, you know, Marina sends them out for us to look at, but... uh, That's the one that uh, Dolores, uh, the actress Dolores Hart, who who has been a sister since 1963... Uh, oh. She's coming to uh, the Oscars, by the way. Oh, wow. In her habit. She's going to come down the red carpet in her habit, apparently. Oh. So she is, she is one of the nom- involved with one of the main nominees. So Wow. Well, so. Uh, that's be great if it won. I'm, I'm voting for the tsunami and the cherry blossom, which was devastating. Did you watch that? I did not watch that. The tsunami and the cherry blossom opens with the tsunami. Footage you just will not believe. Okay. That puts it in perspective in a way that I have never. I, I watched a lot of footage from that tsunami, and, and I never saw anything like this. And then it goes through and how um, in Japan they celebrate the cherry blossom and the year that it blooms, and how nobody's coming to see it now because of the fallout and and on all the people who are putting Japan back together. It's really powerful. So let me just say, take this opportunity to predict that later this year, we're not t- we're talking about next fall, um, one uh, Antonio Bayona's film, The Impossible, I think it's called, hmm. which is a tsunami drama. With, oh. um, and he is a brilliant filmmaker. And I happened to run into him in Toronto last September. And I had interviewed him in Cannes when The Orphanage uh, had its premiere. And he is, he is absolutely one of the most brilliant people around. I think The Orphanage is one of the great scary thrillers of all time. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, that's, uh, I'm really happy because he, he has described it as kind of a, you know, kind of a European style uh, disaster film, which is and that those words European style tell me it's not going to at all be, uh, you know, what any number of mainstream American directors would do with material like this. So mm, I'm really great. looking forward to this one. Great, great. Sure to, you know, be overshadowed by a very conventional film <laughs> next year. Uh, so, okay, best animated feature, Rango, is probably going to win. There are a lot of others that I haven't seen in that category, so that's sort of a, a crapshoot there. But I think Rango is pretty darn good and, and seems to have all the juice. Um, yeah, I don't have any really real feeling about animation ever, but uh, I think it's um, it's probably going to be Rango. Yeah, sure. The, yeah. The, the richest guys made it, so let's vote for the rich guys, I think. And for animated short, it'll be probably The Flying Books, which is the best one, the fantastic flying books of Mr. Morris Lesmore, which uh, you have to see to, to believe how good it is. So that one, and then um, Foreign Language, A Separation versus In Darkness. David Poland has In Darkness, and I have a separate... He really yeah. thinks that In Darkness is going to win. Well, he's, he's sent out a thing for people to update and to put three in three changes, and, and I sent him one for me. Uh, but So he might change to a separation, but he's has In Darkness, which 
In other words, he thinks that the Holocaust uh, film is going to be the winner because of the Holocaust factor. Right, probably. But, you know, again, with foreign language, like with Doc, you have to see all five to vote. Yeah. And I think a separation with its screenplay nomination has a really good chance of winning. Yeah, I think it does. It's the only foreign film that broke out of the category. So the fact that it has an original screenplay nomination is pretty significant. I have not heard of anybody saying that the Agnieszka Holland uh, film has any kind of fighting chance at all to win. No, I think I'd rather, I could probably have somebody like, you know, put a bag over my head and beat the top of my head with a baseball bat. And that would be equivalent to watching (laughs) Darkness again. Did you see In Darkness? Oh, man, is that a depressing movie. Um, Okay, so live action short. Now we're on to, uh, there's two Mm -hmm. that people seem to think are going to win. And one is um, The Shore, which is directed by Terry George, which I thought was the most boring of the five. But since he's a star, people figure he'll probably win. And then there's this Tuba Atlantic. That Rango's going to win. They know Terry George, so they're going to vote for him. They That's know. what people think. But believe me, it's not the best of the five, not by a long shot. They're all pretty good. And as usual, there's only one American that they had to throw in, but it's almost always international filmmakers in the short categories. What and, do you think is going to win? Uh, I, th- I, You know, I don't even know. But everybody else seems to think that Tuba Atlantic is going to win. I, I my favorite is Raju, which is about a couple who who adopts an Indian a child from India who's been stolen from his parents and put up for adoption. What are they going to do once they find out he's been kidnapped? That's the one I like. Typical girl pick. All right, editing. Editing is a tough one. You have three contenders basically. You have um, Hugo, which is Thelma Schoonmaker, a legend, um, up against the artist, which has the better shot of winning. And then Moneyball has an outside chance of winning there. God, come on. Uh-huh. You're telling me that the artist might win film editing. Probably will win, yeah. Well, I had Hugo predicted, but I changed it to the artist because it's like Chicago. You know, Chicago won the Eddie, and then it won the Best Picture, and it won the Editing Oscar. If Hugo wins editing, that's going to be a pretty big deal. And we don't know if we're looking at a situation like last year where they really did split up the awards, like drag, um, Social Network won editing and uh-huh. not King's Speech. So we don't know if we're going to have a sweep, or, but but chances of it being the artist are pretty high, pretty good. Cinematography, Tree of Life versus... And, uh, and, and again, the token throw money ball something, uh, that factor has means nothing. To it people. could win there. Yeah, it could it could win in the throw, throw it a bone. Sure. But generally, yeah, I mean, if they really think the editing stood out in Moneyball, they, they might it's give it that award. Basic throw-it-a-bone principle, it means it comes from the fact that everybody understands that a certain film is going to win Best Picture, Best Director, and, is, and might sweep. So, therefore, once that understanding has kicked in and understood industry-wide, then the throw-it-a-bone principle kicks in. Right. Okay, let's give that film, this film, a little bone because something should be given to this film because it's a deserving yeah. film. That, right? That's the concept. Well, what you have is you have a whole, you have 6,000 Academy members. A lot of those people only vote for the top categories. They don't vote for the text. They vote for the top. And if they do vote for the text, they tend to pick their favorite movies all the way down the line. I love the artist, picture, director, actor, <laughs> screenplay. Editing, cinematography, costumes, you know. Or they're the people who are in the branch, the tech branch. The editors are going to vote for what the Eddies chose. And the Eddies, funnily enough, didn't even choose Hugo. 
That takes it out of contention. They chose the artist and the descendants, so they didn't even choose Moneyball. So it's down to the artist versus the descendants for the editing Oscar. It's not going to be... If they want to throw the descendants another bone, they might pick it for editing. And in fact, I might at the last minute change my prediction to the to the descendants. Because I think if you're talking about throwing a bone, if you're talking about it being a non-artist win, it'll go to the descendants. So cinematography, you have... Um, Tree of Life, Hugo, and The Artist. Those are the top three contenders. Um, Tree of Life's probably going to win that, wouldn't you say, since it has a Best Picture nomination? and Very highly deserved thing. If it did win, uh, I thought that um, Hrabeski should have won for children, I mean for... Um, yeah, children and men. Men. And um, it really, that was one of the most uh, groundbreaking uh, pieces of, uh, of action cinema ever. And I don't... Was he even nominated? Yeah, he was nominated. He didn't win. Okay. Um, that's another gimme for the artist. So if the artist wins another, it'll win cinematography too, like Slumdog Millionaire did. And I just don't think, uh, I've said this before, but I, if you have even the most basic rudimentary understanding of the, uh, of the great silence of the 20s, you have to understand uh, that the artist does not really faithfully try to replicate the feeling, the way those films were actually shot, the framing of them, the cutting of them. It doesn't really do that. It cuts according to what we want and we understand is good cutting now. It doesn't cut according to the way they shot those films. And that's what Haskovich is so good at. He is excellent at at, um, kind of reviving and recreating uh, the way things were, like with the James Bond OSS films. They are really, really good at, at doing this. But he God, doesn't. I know. He drops the ball with the cinematography. The, the OSS movies are so much better than the artist, if people can only see. Um, no, it's. But I love that movie. I loved it. It was so pretty. It was huh. so pretty. It's just not that great in terms of replicating what 1920 cinema was. And there, it would be so fascinating if they had done that. In fact, they don't whole- care. Cinematography, it's all about what looks the prettiest. So pick the film that looks the prettiest and you have your cinematography winner. Okay. Well, there will be blood one cinematography in it. It wasn't, it was great cinematography, but it wasn't necessarily pretty. So it's hard to predict. Who knows? I say the artist wins in a sweep. It'll take cinematography and art direction, um, obviously. If it doesn't, it's going to be Tree of Life, maybe. Um, Okay, art direction. Hugo versus the artist. I think definitely Hugo on that one, right? Because the art direction is pretty impressive. you got to give that. He's won a lot, Dante Ferretti. He's won several Oscars already, so... Um, but uh, they gave it to him for Sweeney Todd, so it seems crazy that they wouldn't give it to him for... Um... Fine. Okay, yeah, Dante Freddy's the best in the business. Yeah. Just is. Yeah. Um, no question. So okay. So that's, that's not going to be a problem, right? We are going I don't know. We'll just have to see. You just don't know. It's one of the early awards, so if uh, artists, like I say, if it wins cinematography or costume design... or um, Art direction, it's you, over. Like, like if if the artist wins art direction, it's over. It's over. It's going to sweep. That's how you know. <laughs> okay, so costume act is so is so deep and so profound because of this of the artist's dominance. I, I I don't even think about this stuff. I I just try and concentrate on anything that I think is interesting <laughs> to write about. Anything. I mean, that will just keep my energy up because I, I can't sustain God. myself on this Oscar race. Well, it's I really bad work. coming on the heels of the King's speech. It's like it's it's a bad twofer. 
It's a really bad twofer. It's two international productions, two Weinstein productions, two very kind of mm-hmm. um, emotionally soothing, everything works out, conventional storytelling. It's so old-fashioned. Yeah. <laughs> it's driving everybody nuts, but we'll see what happens. You know, they got to young it up in the Academy. They've got to do something about those people. Yeah. Um, so the costume design uh, looks like it's between... Well, it's sort of all over the place. People are kind of predicting. Chris Tapley's predicting anonymous, although he might change it. I'm predicting the artist, um, uh, and other people are predicting Hugo, like Ann Thompson and um, Pete Howell. Pete Hammond has the artist, and then makeup is the Iron Lady, and score is the artist, 100. percent Makeup has to be Iron Lady. That was extremely impressive. Yeah, I don't see how anybody can can choose otherwise. That was probably the best. Uh, you know, lady makeup I've seen ever. I know, it's incredible. What about David Poland has Albert Knobs picked? (laughs) Albert Knobs picked for best makeup because... uh, I don't know. Glenn Close's butch haircut. (laughs) I think it's so funny. That's pretty much it. Where's the makeup in that? Well, the great thing about David Poland, though, is I like his predictions because he he doesn't like to go with the flow. And because of that, he tends to get wild card predictions right that other people don't because everybody pretty much predicts what everybody else is predicting but david poland doesn't so if there's ever going to be an oddball win a surprise upset chances are david poland will have predicted it <laughs> so, um because it's not going to go 100 percent how people think it never does you know nobody really knows how what direction it's going to head in well just like the poland curse is something i've always i've been able to write about for years because if he comes out early for something that's it. That's the kiss of death. <laughs> if he does any kind of Oscar prediction, you know that he's going to get a lot of them wrong. I respect. I respect it. Oh, it's so not, funny. He's not someone who's just playing the odds, and he does go with his gut, and he'll be right occasionally. That's totally, that's fine. Yeah, I like him because he's an independent thinker, mm-hmm. and a lot of them aren't. Most of them aren't. Um, I say Chris Tapley does his own research and makes his own predictions. He doesn't just go with the flow. So does Ann Thompson. You know. Um, but in general, they're pretty much, you know, look around, see what everybody else is predicting and, and predict that. Because it's so embarrassing to be there with your ass hanging out. You get people saying like, oh, they're so clueless. They don't know what they're talking about. They predicted that to win. Can you believe that? Like you and I are still going to get shit. When I put up that predictions chart and it shows me and you from last year putting <laughs> social network and David Fisher as a protest vote because we knew that it wasn't going to win. Yes, I, I said, I, I want the social network. I'm predicting it. I don't care if I go down with a ship. Yeah. I am going down with a ship. I That's what I did too, but it just looks <laughs> not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, anyway. like, it's like John Foster Dulles, you know, will you shake uh, Joe and Lai's hand now that we're, uh, you know, no, I will not shake his hand. Yeah, right. I'm going to put a disclaimer on there. I'm going to say this is, was, these predictions were protest predictions. <laughs> We weren't stupid enough to think that. All right, so now we're to um, score is going to be the artist. No question about it. Original song. That wonderful use of Bernard Herrmann's uh, music. That was really brilliant. Yes, that deserves an Oscar, I think. You're right. Uh, you know what, though? The score from the artist got stuck in my head the other day, and I could not get it out of the, my head. I, I don't was... have a, a tune from the artist. I don't have anything from the artist in my Well, head. now it's funny. Now I can't recall it, but yesterday it was all through my head all day long. Um, I, I can remember kind of a jaunty, springy tune yeah. that, uh, that behind the early portions, you know, when things are going great for the two of them. Right. Coming up and everything. I don't, but I remember the tragic music, which was kind of a little bit of a, you know, violins and, and then using, of course, the Bernard Herrmann. But that's the most distinctive thing I do remember, honestly. 
I know. It's kind of lazy but of them to use Bernard Herrmann. There's some kind of, you know, like um, everybody remembers Max Steiner's score from Gone with the Wind because of that wonderful theme. What is it that, that – can you hum it? Just hum it for me. You're talking about the one that was stuck in my head? Yes. I can't think of it now. Uh, I guess yeah. that funny. It went out of my head again. Okay. But it was stuck in there for a while, and I was thinking, well, maybe it's not such a bad score. <laughs> but um, but I really do think it was – you know, everything he does is tongue-in-cheek. You know, I think that, that the, the Vertigo thing was tongue-in-cheek for him. He's just – the thing I love about the artist people, and I still uh, love it, it to this – It wasn't tongue-in-cheek to use eight minutes of it, though. It really went on for a long time. Right. That's true. It's a good point. It's really kind of a curious uh, choice. But to- what's curious about it is how Harvey Weinstein has the Academy by the balls because any other film, that would have been disqualified for score. Mm-hmm. That's the tr- funny thing about it is that any movie that had that significant of a sampling from a different score would have been ousted. Right. So it's it just shows you the kind of power he has that he got that in there. Right. Um, original song, who cares? Yeah. Sound mixing, um, but we're predicting Man or Muppet to win. But who cares? But what 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 do you think is going to win? Even though you don't care about original song, what do you think? Man or Muppet? <laughs> I hate to have to even say it out loud. <laughs> That's what's going to win. I don't know. Maybe maybe the other one will win. Who knows? There are only two nominees in that category. Um, and then, kind of interesting this year, are the sound and the sound, the sound mixing and the sound editing. Um, so a lot of people are predicting both Hugo to win in both of those categories, like Dave Carger is, and um, who else? Steve Pond and Ann Thompson are predicting Hugo to win in both categories. I'm also predicting it to win, but I would love to see a split. I would love to see Dragon Tattoo win something there, or Moneyball, uh-huh. or anything. I would love to see them split up that category, but I don't think that they're going to. And then the last thing is visual effects, and it's Rise of the Planet of the Apes versus Harry Potter versus Hugo, and everybody has Rise of the Planet of the Apes, except for Scott Feinberg tells me that like not since 1972 or something like that has a, a visual effects movie lost to a Best Picture nominee in that category, so that would indicate that Hugo is actually going to win there. Uh-huh. According to Scott Feinberg, I can't imagine Planet of the Apes not winning, but that's what Feinberg says. So if you want to go by that. But he is, um, but Scott is a, a guy that is uh, very reliant and very believing very well. yeah. in precedence. He likes to do statistical precedence. And he kind of does. I mean, he doesn't as much as me, but he's, he's actually a really good predictor. Scott uh, he's very, very thorough, and he's very, you know, he's almost manic about it. But this is that's what you need to be to be a good predictor. And he is. Somehow he manages to be really good. I mean, except for when he said Juno was going to win Best Picture. But he, um, you yeah. know, when he takes risks, he tends to falter, as right. we all do. But he, but when he's on it, he's on it. And so he says Hugo's going to win in that category. But um, Okay. One final note about predictions is that I was going through and building a chart about art direction and cinematography and how they pair up over the years. Like, do they always go to the same film? When do they go to the same film? Do they prefer best picture? What is it? And one thing I noticed was that Harry Potter throughout the years of all of its runs has been nominated so many times in art direction and yet has never won. And, uh, it makes me wonder if it won't finally win this year just in that category. Probably not, but it's pretty weird to think that all those films, all those nominations will result in zero Oscar wins for their art direction. 
Crazy. Hey, did you send me what your final um, uh, guru thing is? I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I, I, Tom O'Neill's is uh, written me and said that Jeff, you haven't updated your Oscar predictions since the Calvin Coolidge administration. <laughs> love Tom. <laughs> Didn't you love that video with Tom and Michael Musto? That was so funny. Yeah. I just love, uh, Tom O'Neill has the most soothing voice to me. Like I just hear him talk and he makes me feel better about things because he doesn't take any of it seriously, you know. And Musto was saying all the required, necessary, accurate, truthful things about the artist. And, uh, you know, he said it was the greatest show on earth, which is something I've been saying all, all along. So that was uh, that was a good. It's not even the greatest show on earth, though. It's not anywhere near that level of accomplishment. You know, it's it's a trifle. It's a it's a little bonbon. It's not. Yeah. It's not a, you know, a definitive film about anything or any era. It's a happy little thing. It's a happy little massage. It's a shoulder massage for voters. Yeah. And I I'm fine with it. I love shoulder massages. <laughs> you know, like I don't. Yeah, and the more you think about the analogy, the the greatest show on earth won. Because the conservatives did not want High Noon to win, because High Noon was seen as a metaphor for the uh, for the attacking, for the uh, uh, prosecution of uh, people who had been blacklisted. You know. Yeah, yeah. High Noon was far better film. <laughs> it's like, but and basically, the John Wayne people who didn't want that to win, so they the word got out. Switch your vote to the greatest show on earth. This is not political. It doesn't have any controversial. And it's just a entertainment film, and it's got Jimmy Stewart and clown makeup, and everybody loves it. Yeah. And that's, that's what happened. Yeah. I, There's I, a, a really nasty streak that runs through the Academy where they don't really like greatness. They don't appreciate it. They're jealous of it, and they want to punish it by not rewarding people who are praised by critics um, and by fans and considered great filmmakers like Martin Scorsese, who didn't win for so many years before he finally won for The Departed when they finally could deal with him. You know, these are really egotistical people, a lot of them. And, and I, I think that The Departed was a really, really excellent film. So though. do I. And I was absolutely behind it 100%. I thought it was that the best of better the five. than Gangs of New York. Have you seen Gangs of New York recently? I did, actually, and I disagree with you. I think it really holds up well over time. I, but, couldn't, I can't stand that film with all the people getting chopped with, with, and beaten up by baseball bats and... and, and, and yeah, there's a lot of violence, but yeah. you will not see a better look. When I watched it, I was actually, t my, took my breath away at how um, expansive and I couldn't have cared less ambitious it. it was compared to the kind of shit that you see today. Everything's so lazy now, the, cheaply made. The, the dead rabbits can go jump in a hole. I cared not. Uh, 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 I didn't yeah, care. some of that is bad, I know, and that's why, it didn't, that's why it won zero Oscars. But I'm not talking about Gangs of New York. I'm talking about Goodfellas and Raging Bull and Taxi Driver and movies like that where he was hailed as a genius. And it's kind of happening to Christopher Nolan now. Like they, There's something about them that they don't want to respond to great filmmakers that people consider are great because to them it's like that line in postcards from the edge it's like they want you to be too good just not better than they are <laughs> well, you're reminding me of what it was like to sit in the audience at the arlington theater and watch the martin scorsese tribute which was uh, which could have gone on at least another couple of hours i was loving. oh me too and they didn't even touch uh three quarters of his films 
and and to go over and he chose all these generic Martin Scorsese hits. He, he didn't want to talk about Last Temptation. He wanted to talk only. Isn't about, that funny? Maybe he doesn't really know like what is his best work. But he. But it, I was just thinking, you know, they, they all this great stuff, and then they get to Hugo at the end, and the energy was just unmistakably. Uh, you couldn't avoid it. That just. The energy dropped in the room so precipitously. Well, yeah, but but they picked that clip, though. I mean, if it was me, I wouldn't have picked... That's why when Chris Tapley did his top ten shots of the year, and he uh, one of his top ten was Sasha Baron Cohen's face in Hugo. I mean, come on. Of all the shots in Hugo that there are, so many amazing, breathtaking shots, anything yeah. involving Sasha Baron Cohen is does not sell the film well. Just chasing a kid through a train station? What 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 kind of a crazy clip would that well, be? I love the movie. I, I have no problem with it at all. I mean, in fact, I think it's it's actually brilliant. But but I wouldn't have picked that clip. I would not have. There's some. I would have picked the dream sequence, which to me is just insane, off the charts. I don't expect everybody to like it, and I don't think it should win Best Picture because it's not to their dumb taste. You know, let them pick a movie that that adequately reflects their tastes. Fine. It's your dumb I, club. Have your dumb movies. Not that the artist is dumb. I'm not going to badmouth it. I promised myself I wouldn't. But look, the uh, the 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 mark of a, of a really excellent film in my book is one that has really a, a wonderful ending. It has uh, the old Howard Hawks rule: three great scenes and no bad ones. Well, I'm sorry, but a good portion of of uh, Hugo is just nothing special it's mediocre it's just kind of like not there's not a single frame in that movie that's mediocre not a single one maybe one shot of emily uh emily what's her name's face a couple of times dude he's not my favorite director for nothing you know like he is my favorite director number one so when i watch his movies i'm treated to what he does best and what he does with the camera camera's eye what he was doing here essentially was making a film for his daughter Partly. I mean, that's what he said. He was delving into 3D, too. You know? If you have a daughter or a son of that age and you want to do something for them, with them, to get into them, for them to get into you, to share, it's completely... Well, his, his daughter had said to him, Dad, why don't you make movies people like? So this was Martin Scorsese trying to make a movie people like. So doing, he made the film. He is, he is a dazzling original artist, and he's not like any other filmmaker working in Hollywood. Never has been, never will be. He's like Bob Dylan. He's on. Uh, he's he's totally separate. And so him trying to make a movie that, quote-unquote, everybody is going to like, <clears throat> turns out to be a movie a lot of people didn't like. You know, the box office tells us so. But that doesn't mean it doesn't touch genius, um, which it does. You know, I, I spent years arguing with people about how they love Bob Dylan's songs, but they can't stand his voice, you know. And um, I love Bob Dylan's voice, and I love his songs. In fact, I can't stand anybody else singing his songs. And I, saw, I saw him live at, in Chicago uh, about five, six years ago. And he, you know how he goes through different phases. He gets bored with delivering a song a certain way, and he has to find a new way to do it. He cannot just crank it out. That's been his whole thing. He has to keep it fresh. He has to keep reinventing. So at that stage, he was doing scat singing. (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding? And so he scat sung the entire concert. And he... Did not take up a guitar at all because he was all that was the opposite. Oh God, you're kidding! So he was in front of a um, uh, an organ. He was an you know, electric organ. 
And so, <laughs> you know, but that's, but he's got to be, that's who he is. If you don't understand that about him, you don't understand Dylan Mm-mm. at all. He has to um, keep reinventing and keep it fresh. Yeah, and that's uh, what I love about Scorsese too. He does the same thing and he, he can't help it that he's different from everybody else, that he doesn't make conventional movies or tell them conventionally. He doesn't. And that's what I love about him. He's a beautiful mess, you know. Yep. So, all right. Well, that's <clears throat> yes, and I will send you my final gurus. And David Poland's going to be making a change, and, and all that stuff's going to be updated. And I'm building a big chart on my site with everybody's predictions on there. Yeah. Like, who cares? I mean, if you're doing an Oscar year where the only thing that's like has any drama are the two sound categories, <laughs> you know, you're in trouble. <laughs> that's like the only thing people are going to argue about is like, what's going to win cinematography? What's going to win sound? You know. <laughs> I have never been so completely at peace with and proud of being alienated and uninterested in an Oscar year as I have this year. And yeah. I, I, the, the reason that I did really well with uh, the Sony people and it upped my stock and resulted in much support from an ad- advertising thing was my early, phatic, uh, deep um, uh, love for the Hurt Locker. And they felt that because I, what the, I therefore had some um, intuitive understanding or, you know, I, I got the current of the culture and I got the film industry and therefore I was ahead of people. So therefore they wanted to work with me and, and advertise with me. And I'm glad for that, that they, they felt that. But I've never been, I don't think you have been either uh, a, a predictor as much as, you know, you kind of just got to go with what you feel really is the thing that's gonna that should win that it, that ought to win that needs to win that, that to make our the, the yeah. industry feel right to make our lives feel right. I just that's that was what I felt about the Hurt Locker, but I, I feel the same way about the artists in a way perversely as did the I feel it's so completely inappropriate to be a Best Picture winner. Well, um, I think that uh, you know that there are two different ways you can go if you're writing about the Oscars. One is to be an advocate. And one is to just be a predictor. And I think that we've got to a point now where the predictors really are dictating the race. So in predicting what the Academy voters are going to go for, they end up telling the Academies what the Academy what to vote for. Mm-hmm. And not just the Academy, but the Golden Globes and the Guilds. and Because everybody wants to be like the Oscars. So if they look at a list where people are saying, these are the movies we think. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Then, you know. Eventually, people are just going to go. Okay, this is the t- these are the ten we can choose from. Well, I liked that one. I didn't like that one. You know, but they don't find them from whole cloth. So I think people in our business need to think a little bit better about not trying to pick films because the Academy will vote for them, but pick try to a little bit more to talk about films that maybe the Academy won't vote for, but that are good and deserving. If everybody had talked about Attack the Block for instance, as an Oscar movie, it might've gotten in, you know, but everybody assumed that they would never go for it. So nobody ever talked about it, you know? And I think that is, that's what's dumbing down the process. People need to have higher expectations of what the Academy might or might not do. Cause they don't really know they're living in like a vacuum. They need to be shown the way. I'm not saying we have better taste than they do. I'm just saying we can open things up a lot by including other things. But it's not just going to be you and me. I mean, everybody has to do it for that to happen. But there's nothing so um, uh, deflating and 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 um, and to, truly depressing as to as to um, 
every year contemplating the, the, the Dave Carter uh, sensibility for me. Which, <laughs> this movie is, is going to win. They love it, you know. And then every now and then, I just so love it when the Dave Carter apple cart gets thrown over. There's the biggest <laughs> high of the year was when, out of the blue, I mean, in a space of a week, all of a sudden, War Horse was dead. And that was a movie that was going to possibly go right to the top. In fact, it looked like it would go to the top. How could it miss? And and Dave Carter and his ilk were just saying, well, I don't see how you can not talk about that being one of the five. And I, it was so gl- great. I, I, you know, I, I, I still get high thinking of that moment. It yeah. was about a week's time when it just went away, just like that. Well, the only thing that would have made me happy this year is if they had not nominated War Horse and they had nominated Dragon Tattoo. Those would, That would be the only thing that would have really gotten me involved. Because at least, say what you will about the Dragon Tattoo, but at least it was a rated R movie with sex yeah. that made $100 million. Now, mm-hmm. that's the best picture that I can start to handle and deal with. You know, the, the extremely loud and War Horse and all that. It's just like, oh, my God, kill me now. You know, <laughs> Michael Musto called it extremely loud and Glenn Close. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's they're really, it's a really bad year. Put it that way. (laughs) But hopefully next year will be better. I'm so excited for the Cannes Film Festival. That's the thing I'm most looking forward to. And sure, that's going to be that's going to be very exciting, and it's going to be probably a a really. um, I'm, uh, you know, we all know what has been speculated, but um, I guess we have to wait a little bit. um, the, the master anyway, that's, that's one thing that I kind of hope is going to be there. Hmm. Yeah. I'm hoping the Coen brothers bring their movie there. Which... Uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, Ewan, what's it called? The, yeah. the, 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 the Greenwich village one, right? Right. Right. Which is, is really weird. It's probably going to be like a serious man or something because it's, it's so bizarre. It follows this one folk singer, but you know, Bob Dylan is around, but he's like sleeping on the couch and uh, on the, but it's not about him. It's inside Llewellyn Davis, right? Right. Yeah. And it's based on a book, a memoir by a guy. Yeah. Um, folk guy that nobody knows about, but it's going to talk about the Dylan era in Greenwich village at that time, which you can't talk about the folk music scene without talking about Bob Dylan. Uh Uh So, but I don't care because it's the Cohen, so I'm glad that they're coming out with a movie. We just got to hope that next year's better. Well, I guess I'm not going to get to the Academy today. I was going to do a walkthrough at 10, but they're having another one at 2, so I'll just go to it then. They show you what you're, where you're going to be, mm-hmm. what the pattern yeah. is, and they've got everything set up by now, right? Yeah, there's a lot of it that's a drag, though, for me because I can't have my camera, and I love to take pictures, so... Can't take pictures of I can take pictures, but I have to bring my little camera, my little handheld, and I can't bring my big camera, so that's a drag. But plus, I'm not going to be on Twitter, and I'm not going to be, you know, on my website. And I like to be there for for my readers. They like to sh- sort of share the experience with me, and so I mean, I'm going to try to do it. This will be the, probably the only year I do the Oscars, and then I won't ever do them again. But got to do it once, I figure. The one time that I was actually there on the red carpet and I had a, a vantage point and everything, that was the year of the Silence of the Lambs. Oh, uh, God, uh, wow. That was a great Oscar year. And I remember uh, be having a really great vantage point and seeing everybody as they walked down the whole thing. It was really Did pretty... you get a press credential? Is that how you got into it? I, I forget how it was. I didn't actually get on the carpet because I didn't have elect- I didn't have a microphone, but I was. I somehow got myself near the carpet and... Um, and I, and I was, um, 
I had the Entertainment Weekly affiliation at the time, and wow. I don't remember exactly wow. what the particulars were, but I remember that I wasn't entirely supposed to be there, but I sort of got myself in a good position to watch everything anyway. Great so. stuff. I know that's me. I'm going to be in the um, arrivals in the yeah. bleachers. But, you know, you're not allowed to take um, cell phone pictures and upload them, so I can't Instagram them to people. If you are in the bleachers, you can't take pictures. Of- you can take pictures, but you can't take cell phone pictures. You can't take cell phone pictures and beam them out to Twitter. You can't oh, do that. You could only that, that will uh, devalue the value of professional photographs. Exactly. That's what it's about. It's about photo contracts, like it is at Cannes. You know how in Cannes they won't let you take pictures of people walking up the thing. Um, from the balcony, yes. They yeah. say you can't take pictures. Yes. Sometimes, if it's a really big star, they won't let you take pictures. Because the paparazzi, they, they got it all cock-blocked, you know. Yeah. Right. So, um, but I'm excited to see how it all goes. I've only ever seen it on TV, you know. And so I'm hoping that if Viola Davis loses, being there won't will make it less horrible for me than if I'm just sitting here. <laughs> well, if she loses, uh, she won't come back and talk to you guys because she won't be the winner. You yeah, Meryl Streep will come back. And believe me, you don't want to be Meryl Streep winning the year she's up against Viola Davis, but I'm sure people will celebrate her and, you know. Well, you know that she is going to be uh, very eloquent and gracious in her acknowledgement of uh, Yeah. She was at the Golden Globes, I remember, uh, saying, I- I'm – you know, it was all about Viola almost most of her. I know. She's a kind woman. And, you know, Viola Davis's success has a lot to do with Meryl Streep. You know, she she said, you know, why don't you um, somebody please give her a movie, you know, and someone did. And now she might win an Oscar for it. So Meryl Streep. And then whenever Viola wins, they cut to Meryl Streep and she's so happy. You know, sort of like when Julia Roberts was campaigning for Denzel Washington. Right. Um, it's like they're the chairman to the white world. Uh-huh. Dear racist white people, yeah. here is how you can fix your shit. <laughs> vote for this person. Don't just vote for who you quote unquote like. The you typical sixty-two-year-old white uh, male academy member probably does not have it. Uh, under, it's probably not widely understood that she is going to be an almost guaranteed best actress uh, nominee two years hence for, right. um, for Osage County. So, and then one after that and one after that and one after that, you know, Meryl Streep is never going to run out of, right. um, Oscar contending films. Never. Yeah. And Viola Davis, um, 10 years after Halle Berry won, you finally have a chance for a black actress to win. The only other one that was nominated was, um, G- Gabby Sidibe for Precious and she wasn't going to win. So, Viola Davis has the best shot of winning. So I hope they do the right thing and give it to her. Well, I think one of the funniest moments in the, the last year and 11 was <clears throat> the moment when <laughs> Gabby Sidibay indicated to Eddie Murphy that she was sexually interested in him. <laughs> he looks back and her and goes, yeah, I might be interested too. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> oh, Eddie Murphy. Too bad he's not hosting. He would be so good. I mean, I like Billy Crystal, too, and everything, but Eddie Murphy would have been something exciting to see. He is um, no longer going Eddie Murphy. He will never be Eddie Murphy again. He's the secular performer whose films make a certain amount and they have a certain following, but he is completely not in the community, it seems to me. I don't know what he does or what he's about, but when he said, fuck it, I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, 
show uh, solidarity with Brett Ratner and not host. That was one of the dumbest things that I could imagine anybody ever doing. But Yeah, I agree. I don't think it was dumb. I think it was nice and loyal to his friend. Um, I don't think he... nothing to do with it. He, he had this gig. I know, but I I wouldn't want to do it either. You know, here's the thing about the Academy is they totally just wanted him so that they could show how diverse they were. You know, and he just didn't want to felt like playing the game, you know, and I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to either. Brett Ratner wasn't trying to show anything. Brett Ratner is just an idiot. No, I I mean, um, Eddie Murphy, he was being loyal to Brett Ratner by quitting, but he was also like, look, we're going to have a black host. You know, we're going to, we're going to, we coaxed Eddie Murphy to forgive us for, you know, our sins of the past. And now he's going to come and fix it all for us. You know, give us some good PR (laughs) and he didn't want to play it. So, okay. I don't blame him either. You know, um, you know, they got some splaining to do the Academy. They, they, you know, it's going to be a while before they, they earn respect again for, for the things that they've done in the past. And, you know, the wheels turn slowly. We've been talking a long time, uh, almost an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like the marathon podcast. Well, it is our last podcast before the Oscars. So I guess we're entitled. All right. Yeah. Okay. All Have right. Good- Take care. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to episode 69 of Oscar poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com and Sasha Stone from awardsdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast, and you can follow us during on Oscar night individually at Awards Daily and at Wells H. Wood. And we will be back next Monday after the Oscars for a blow by blow. If I had wings, I can always do. Fly the river to the one I love. Fairly well, honey, fairly Long and tall, his body like a cannonball.
away from my door She never come in. sort of made it up on a train. It must be good for somebody, this is our song. I know it's good for somebody. If it ain't for me, it's good for somebody. I just talked about it. <laughs> 